0: Time now for Dan Issel and Louis Rebeau, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Dan and Louie. All right, happy Monday, everybody. This is Issel and Louie here on ESPN 680, 105.7 on the app. Your car, your smart speaker, however you are hanging out with us this morning, we appreciate you doing so. Dan's selling horses today, Avery. Pregnant ones, how about that? So instead, yep,
3: two for the price of one.
0: So instead, uh, I went with whatever you know the opposite of Dan Issel is, and that's Cam Drummond. He's sitting across from me. He's in from the Herald Leader. How are you, Cam?
1: Doing good. I'm not sure if being the opposite of Dan Histel is something to be proud of. Should that be should that be on my LinkedIn resume now? Should I, should I take pride in that statement? The, I'm, I'm the fill in guy when when Dan's selling some pregnant horses. There it but, is. Yeah. You know, I'll take it. I'm not. You know, I'm not too proud enough to not take that compliment. So yeah, thank you. Right. Thank you guys for having me no, in here. No
0: problem. Uh, you've heard uh, Cam's voice before in our Thursday segment uh, when Ben Roberts has been unavailable. But we will uh, we will just act as though Ben Roberts does not exist today, except for the one. Article that we did post on the show sheet from him. So um, it's its own thing. You were there on Saturday. I was. For all the festivities. Um, The more I talked to Dan, it became pretty obvious that I was just going to be another dude in the crowd. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to let Dan have the day. And I'm glad I did. Because boy, oh boy, did Dan have. He gets to be the Y in Kentucky at half. They move the jerseys and the rafters. To put Pratt next to Issel. And he didn't realize that. And he didn't know. He
1: it. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He's given his, you know, little speech during the halftime ceremony, which was beautiful, you know, really poignant by the way, especially because I mean it helped that Kentucky was playing well, leaning into the half sure. as well. Um, looks up, has absolutely no clue that the jerseys were gonna be rearranged, and then you had a beautiful moment where you explained, like, that's the way it should be, and like that's the way that he was happy it was. So it was great to see that, great to see the whole family there, great to see UK finally honor Mike Pratt, something that I think all people can agree was was pretty well overdue. Um, and just, you know, a beautiful moment, you know, a Kentucky win. Dan Nissel's the why. You know, Dan has yeah. being let out by some cheerleaders <laughs> having a great time, basking in the glow of being Dan Nissel. So really, I mean, Saturday night couldn't have gone much better from a Kentucky's perspective for all involved. We Dan
0: had a Dan Nissel. Like, it's it's culminating today. A Dan Nissel weekend. We went over this on Friday. So Thursday night, he hosts a bourbon tasting with Kyle Macy, Goose Givens, and, um, oh, my gosh. Uh, the big man from the 78 team. And I'm blanking. I apologize. I think it's Mike. And Dan's the star. These three guys win a title. And Dan's the star on the dance. Okay? Next day. Friday. Comes in. Does the show. Goes to Lexington. Hands Marsha Pratt. Mike's ESPY award. Okay? Saturday. Pratt's out, Pratt gets elevated to the rafters. Right next to him. Gets to be the Y in the Kentucky. Right? Does the whole thing. Sunday. Goes to church. And then today he's selling a horse. That's Dan Issel. That's Is That's Is that's, that's Big S. That's it. All of that's Is That's it, man. That's Dan Issel. And so it was awesome. Like that was you could just tell, like, this was this was one of those weekends. And so I stayed away. <laughs> so I stayed away. So I hope Dan's having a good time. But um it's uh yeah, man. It's it was it was awesome to see Pratt's name up there, but it was even better to see it next to Dan's. And It was a reminder too. you know, between him and Pat Riley, the guys from that era, that Pratt was as good as any of them, frankly. Right. And when Ben wrote his his piece in the Herald-Leader about all of the guys in the rafters that came out, I think, Thursday last week. I apologized to Dan on Friday because I thought he was pushing for Pratt to be in the rafters because they were buddies. And then I went and looked at his numbers and he should have been in the rafters.
1: And that's something that even you know, when us media members have been asking John Calipari questions or you know, just talking about what the emotions of Saturday night would be. I mean, first off, Cal's always been talking about how if Pratt didn't want him as head coach at Kentucky, like it wouldn't have happened. You know, Pratt had that kind of veto power, that kind of sway. But also the fact that you know, Pratt deserved to be in the rafters, not only for his contributions and you know, legacy, being a legend and everything at UK. He was such a good player. The raw stats, the fact that he's still Tough. top 10, top 15, top 20 in so many categories when so many guys have come through Lexington, astounding. Like, just on that merit yeah, alone.
0: That he and Goose Givens are the only two in the top 30 of the major three categories. Speaks to what, I mean, that isn't, there's no compiling there. Dan Issel, compiler. Uh, Mike Pratt, not, I'm kidding, Dan, I'm kidding. The um, But they do get the win on Saturday. And, you know, you know, let's put a bow on this. The evening there, sellout crowd, people really into it. You know, there have been moments this year where it felt like, Despite the lack of you know, star wins, at this point, Kentucky's kind of a one-hit wonder with the win at Tennessee. There have been these moments of re-galvanizing BBN. Was Saturday one of those?
1: It felt like it. I mean, certainly the second-best crowd of the season behind the Kansas game. That was a better crowd than the Louisville game. No offense to oh, sure. the people there, but oh, like, no. it was just a better atmosphere, yeah. more people, louder. Um, and, and like you talk about the galvanizing moment, it's not as much since the Tennessee or since the, since the Tennessee win. There hasn't really been one signature galvanizing moment. It's almost just been like a stretch of just consistent, steady play, kind of finding their floor, finding their water. Like they're not a good, they're not an elite team, right? They're not the number four team Correct. in the country that we thought they were before the season. They're not even you know a top five, top six team. But just by avoiding the bottoming out that everyone feared was going to come after South Carolina, with you know justifiable concern and justable reason. I think that everyone's kind of come together and coalesced around what this team is and maybe a dose of reality. You know, no one's calling sure. for Cal's job right. after every single game. They're beating the teams that they are supposed to beat, which is, you know, just what you can expect from a team that's going to make the tournament as a 10 or 11 seed.
0: Dan and I have started to talk about this season rather than in terms of big picture. We're actually treating it, in, and it's a weird parallel how we started talking about Louisville football this year. Like, okay, you lost to Boston College. We're going to stop talking big picture. Like, just. Go win the next one. Yeah, the goalpost. Go get moved. win the next yeah. one. Go win the next one. And, and with Kentucky, we're doing the same thing with basketball, for very different reasons. Not that there was an expectation of you know college football playoff across the street here, but rather you know with Kentucky basketball, we're talking big things. And frankly, the disappointment of this season is that there are no super high level great teams, right? So if Kentucky had come on like we thought they were capable of they'd be in the mixed top five and they'd be one of those teams we're going okay they they can be one of the teams cut down the nets no one's thinking that right now or very few people i'm sure there's somebody at bbn um, that, that thinks that but i just you know I, i've watched from from afar these galvanizing moments and very few fan bases are able to do that with previous players like kentucky can
1: not to mention a fan base like kentucky that has this uber high expectation every year right where it might be easier to check out if a team is completely middling, like right. this team has at large portions of the season.
0: You know, so we, we joke, we, we met you through our, our guy Jack Roseman, and he went to college and Indiana didn't make the tournament while he was in college.
1: Oh, I mean, I was there with Jack for okay. all four of those years. Okay, yeah. okay, perfect. Yeah.
0: This would be the first Kentucky team to not win a tournament game and be here for four years. And that, talk about that level of excellence, that's a, those are, I can't even describe the chasm between missing the tournament for four years and not winning a tournament game. I mean, that's a totally, I mean, that's what you're talking about, though. The, the, the level, the, the expectation for Kentucky basketball is that you're winning tournament games, not making the tournament, winning tournament games. And so that's where this team, Dan and I have a wager. And I'm not gonna tell you who's who, but I'm sure you'll figure it out.
1: Like if we got person A and person B, then.
0: It's 100 bucks. Yeah. One of us says single digit seed, one of us says double digit seed. Where do you think they land, when all things are said and done on Selection Sunday?
1: Oh, it's double digit seed if they're in. I mean, I mean, the, the the opportunities for like mega impressive quality wins for the rest of the season at this point are limited to what Tennessee at home, which maybe Tennessee wants revenge. Maybe that first game in Knoxville was a flash in the pan, and the rest of it is almost just. I mean, I guess Auburn at home as well. And then I think at Mets, Arkansas, yeah,
0: because of where it is in the schedule. To end the season going correct. into the SEC tournament. It'll be, it'll be fresh in people's
1: minds. That helps. That recency bias to yes, correct. Yep. But what's more recent than Arkansas would perhaps be losing an early SEC tournament game. Absolutely. And the other part of this, too,
0: is you want to be in the top four in the standings, so you're not playing... Uh, you know, a, a, essentially a quad three, quad four kind of team in the in the SEC tournament. You don't need any more of those games.
1: Well, that's also so much of what the rest of the season is. Aside from that, Tennessee, that Arkansas, that Auburn. I guess maybe Mississippi State, but like it's a lot of avoiding the bad losses or the losses to teams kind of competing around you on that bubble spot. I mean, Florida is a, is a prime example of uh, Georgia, even on the road. No, maybe right. even Arkansas if they continue to still kind of not live up to expectations, kind of like Kentucky. So it's a lot of like damage avoidance. But it seems like this team, especially over the last month since that South Carolina loss, has gotten good at like that taking care of business kind of damage avoidance type of play. I mean, you don't beat A&M without that right. kind of mindset. You don't right. win so comfortably at Vandy, you know, old Miss when, when Case and Wallace is out. Um, and the fact that the way that they won that game on Saturday, too, you didn't have Oscar Sheba going nuclear. You didn't have Antonio Reeves, your most informed player, scoring a bunch of points. You had a balanced scoring effort. You had things that Probably bode well for this team for the rest of the season in terms of a Jacob Toppin active double double. Cason Wallace returning from injury, looking like another prime score, having a decent defensive night. CJ Frederick making a three pointer for the first time in, <laughs> felt like, eons. And we've gone through two of these stretches now. And his misses were like,
0: like almost. Almost went in, actually. Not right. the C.J. Frederick misses of the last couple of games.
1: Right? And, th- and things that John Calipari will tell you you know, a million times over, too, is the fact that teams were still guarding C.J. Frederick right. even during this you know, tremendous slump that he's had, even both of the slumps he's had this season. So the fact that they were still guarding him during the slump, still providing some kind of floor spacing.
0: I, I still contend with Frederick that he came from a system in Iowa where you didn't have to hustle on defense.
1: You're telling totally me Fran McCaffrey doesn't like a little defense? <laughs>
0: First to 90 wins. I know, but I think he's having to adjust to playing on both ends. I'm serious. I, I really believe that. And plus he's coming off injury. So I'm not surprised that he's getting his best legs if he keeps it going. His best legs later in the season because I think he's coming from a place where they just didn't give a bleep about
1: it. Right, and you'll talk and you'll you'll hear people, especially around the program, talk about just his defensive abilities. You know, not being a liability, being you know a borderline plus defender, but also the off ball actions. You know, the, the screening. He's one of the better screeners on the team, and just the way that he's on the court, he opens up their offense to do different things. I mean, dude, I, I was at I was at Indiana for four years with Jack. I watched a lot of <laughs> Iowa basketball. There was not a lot of defense being played there yeah. in Iowa City. I can no. promise you that.
0: McCaffrey can coach some offense, and he's out of his mind. He's <laughs> just out of his mind. It's okay. It's okay to say. Uh, Cam Drummond in with us uh, today. Isla Lou, we're taking you up until noon. Bobby V. will have you then. Uh, the other thing with this team, and by the way, Saturday was pretty predictable because this is what Florida does on the road. They play these three point, five point, six point kind of games on the road. And so, you know, it, at this point, Dan and I have, have uh, labeled these as must don't lose games, right? It, they're not even must wins. They're just like, don't, don't totally screw it up. Right. And frankly, the only, the only weird part about how the metrics work with the net and those kinds of um, uh, analytic systems is that, you know, margin matters. So Kentucky's doing this, you know, win by nine, win by five kind of thing. And if they could just get like one more free throw, like it would really, really help. Um, on Saturday, you mentioned a couple of guys that had really good games, you know, um, topping a little bit more of a volume guy on Saturday, but it was because that's what was available. I, I do think Cason Wallace showed, you know, and I think people forget he wasn't... I don't think he was... Was he even in the top 10 in recruiting last year?
1: I don't think so. Let me look right, at I think he was like a quick. 12 or
0: 13, something like that. I th- I think he's playing like a top 10 freshman right now.
1: And I don't know... He was right on the line, 10th nationally in the t seven composite. Okay. So he's right there. I think we thought
0: of him as like a top five, you know, kind of player. And Saturday's the is is more of a top five kind of performance. Especially, you know, you mentioned... Kinda of, you sound pretty unimpressed with the defense. I think I think just his his size, his length, you know, that is part of why Dan and I assumed by this point in the season Severe Wheeler wouldn't be playing twenty five minutes. <laughs> but um, you know, I think Kaysen, just defensive ability, all the good Cal teams start with defense. It's not even not even debatable. What do you make of Wheeler playing on Saturday as much as he did? Because frankly, for him, it was a pretty darn good performance.
1: Yeah, and he's stacked a couple of these in a row now, too, if you think about what he did at Vanderbilt. I think it was like nine assists, one turnover... Uh, just had to have that turnover there at the end to ruin the perfect <laughs> stat line. But, like, I mean, he, he's a change of pace guy, too, just as much as he is an experienced guy, just as much as he is, you know, someone you can maybe trust in late game SEC situations. Because, like, I mean, this team is still, you know, gelling together. They're still, even though it is February, again, we've moved the goalposts on this team. They're still figuring out ways to win in clutch moments. And the Florida game on Saturday, like, Florida still had the ball with 30 seconds left, down three. And if they could have run some decent offense, would have had a better look than just the hoist up that they had that, that you know, had no chance of going in. But like Wheeler's presence on this team is almost as much, to me, at this point now, just to change a game when the you know requisite energy isn't there to change the pace, to change the flow, to change the tempo. I think we saw that at Ole Miss, you know, especially when he was doing a good job of having line breaking passes, sure. throwing the ball out quick, getting Kentucky in transition, which is something they should do far more often. Yeah, th- it's than the thing about this team season. that's
0: got to be frustrating if you're a fan is that you've got wing guys that can shoot, and you've got a top who can fly to the hoop, and you're not running. Not like, to mention an Oscar um, who's going to be running or, or, down the court
1: and or, occupying space actually, and if attention. If,
0: Chris Livingston could get to the hoop, too. I mean, like, you've got dudes that can, you know, go do... That's, yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> watching and, and, uh, and try to figure that part out. But, yeah, I, the, the Wheeler thing is interesting, too, because he had a couple of sort of playing the menace defensive plays as well. And I've always wondered why he isn't more of a menace on defense. He seems to slow down if he has to move laterally or backwards. Maybe that's just, you know, just part of severe Wheeler's game. But I... With him, it, it, it's such a complicated part of this lineup because I, if he's not on the team, they're not winning these games. Number one. Number two, though, they are better when they're in their flow and he's not on the court, and so that's a complicating part too. But you're right in that he he is a change of pace, and every team that isn't just a isn't just a. a you know, a, a well-oiled machine needs a change of pace.
1: Yeah, I think you need that option, right? You need that availability whenever it comes to injuries happening, whether it comes to, okay, this team isn't starting the game with the right energy, to toss him in there at, like, the 17-minute mark and just, like, immediately, radically change the way you're playing. I think the sweet spot's, like, 20 minutes. I think 25 is probably a bit too high. I think 9 or 10 is probably too low unless things are going real well and you decide he's not needed that game. I mean, he's way more—it feels bad to call him, like, a specialty piece because he's more than a specialty piece, right? You know, he's— Sure, he's first-team all-SEC, all all sure. Has, he yeah. has a much bigger role than a Damian Collins ever will in this right. team. Much bigger role than a Lance Ware. But also, if he's playing 28, 30 minutes in a game, I don't think Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky would be happy with the way that game is going or it's, player availability for that game.
0: Something that I, I've gotten into with, with Dan, and he's so Dan's seventy-four, and it is what it is. He he always says, "All oh, these are young guys. They can just play. They don't need. A, they don't need you know a break." There's all these, all these timeouts.
1: I would contend with that. I'm 25, and my back hurts every day of my life. I run three miles, and I'm just crawling on the ground to like get a banana.
0: <laughs> Avery, do you like bananas?
3: That, that sounds really dirty right now. Um,
0: Why do you think I asked
3: it? I, 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 I know. and
1: I, Just tell the people you like bananas. It's okay. <laughs> they're a good source of potassium. It's there okay. it is. Yeah. They're an elite fruit. Everyone should might want Do you take your peels off? Oh yeah. Okay, then you don't fit in Lexus. Oh, All good. Right. So that-, You're a normal that video that, that Levis put out, disgusting. It is disgusting. With the mayonnaise too. It's disgusting. Just awful. Repulsive. By the way, Repulsive.
0: that's his legacy. It's not winning. It's not. His legacy is, is bananas and, and mayonnaise in and a
1: coffee. That's his that's his legacy and, and
3: still my least favorite person on this planet because of that.
1: <laughs> to be fair, in twenty years I'm probably gonna forget a lot about Will Levis the football player. <laughs> And I'm going to remember, oh, the guy who put like mayonnaise yes, in his right. coffee, at. or yeah. ate a banana That's with
0: a it. peel. 100%. For Dan, it's the it's the pool picture, I think.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he liked that one.
3: He did like that one. He did.
0: Yeah. And not for the olds down. No. I'm Louis Rameau, He's the, he's Cam Drummond. He's sitting in from the Herald Leader. Uh, what's your what's your Twitter uh, what's your Twitter handle and all that so people can f- go find you?
1: Uh, it's at c d r u m m o n d nine seven at c Drummond ninety seven. There you go. So right. find me there.
0: Kentucky.com slash sports for everything down at the Herald-Leader. Obstensibly back in where Ben was, but doing a little bit other – some other stuff too. Soccer stuff and um, you're covering some high school stuff.
1: Yeah, essentially. So, so obviously, with Jerry Tipton's retirement, much-earned yeah. retirement, I'm sure he's like lounging on a beach in Costa Rica, <laughs> crushing it, a yeah. mai tai or something <laughs> <Yeah>. in hand. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, so, so Ben's new Jerry. You know, Ben's been yeah. killing it this year. You know, first first season, you know, f- going full bore. You know, as the number one guy on the the UK men's beat, doing a doing an incredible job. So I'm new Ben, essentially. Focusing on recruiting, but also they've let me kind of spread my wings and do a little bit more variety of stuff, which yeah. I enjoy because that's kind of one of the, the big things about this whole gig and writing that I like. So doing doing our new horse racing cover, or not new, but like our horse racing stuff. So I've just got promoted to like running all the Derby beat stuff. So I'm doing all the Derby watch stuff. The first one will come out later this week. You know, top 20, 25 contenders, and also yeah, huge soccer guy. Uh, mom's from brazil dad's from scotland no kidding. Uh, played soccer growing up didn't have much of a choice but to you know try and be a good soccer player didn't quite work out because i'm in studio here with you so <laughs> something went wrong along the way but <laughs> lexington sporting club the new usl league yeah. one team which is a league below uh, louisville Blue city, city. Yep. they're starting up in a couple of weeks they're getting their training camp underway so where are they playing those games Unclear. Has not been publicly yet. Still haven't announced done that? Yet. Okay. Yeah. It'll be at a local college or high school facility. Sure. They, they've actually just, you know, gotten over a big hurdle in their plans to build a permanent stadium kind of towards the, the edge of Lexington, so not in downtown proper like was initially planned or thought of, but a bit further out. Yeah. But they're going to have a whole practice complex, stadium, uh, you know, proper I soccer stuff.
0: They would try to do, you know, play a Transy and try to get 1,100 people to the game. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean? You know I, I, mean? And- I live right across the street from Transy Soccer Stadium, so that would be very helpful. <laughs> I also now realize I've just disclosed where I live on public radio. So that's probably not my best decision, but find me there too if you want.
3: Hey, I got a crime segment that they let me do every week.
1: <laughs> a third of
0: the text on this show are about Avery just, just killing Dan or me. It's okay. It's I mean, all right.
3: hey, if it comes down to it, one of you would have deserved it. I don't plan on doing anything like that.
0: If you want to know but my if influence. If I killed
3: someone, it's because they would have deserved it.
0: My influence on poor Avery, she's wearing an Indiana Derby shirt today. That's how you know you know Louis Robeau. That's it right yeah. there. Yeah, that's it.
3: <laughs> that's Plus lovely. I just pulled it out of my closet. Th- thanks, Avery. Thanks. And it's soft. I like it.
0: No, it's actually a very nice t shirt. It's so
3: soft.
0: <laughs> Usually horse racing t shirts are terrible. Um oh man. How stupid. I love it. All right. But uh so we've gone over some of the Pratt stuff, of course. Uh, uh finally getting up in the rafters. I'm not I I promised myself, I'm not doing the why did we wait so long, Rant? Because is not the day, and I, I I always try to do that when I'm with Dan so that Dan doesn't have to do it because I can only imagine how he feels about it. So, anyways, if you are wondering where the hell Dan is, Dan is selling a horse that is uh carrying another horse, and uh, so I, I'm hoping he'll text me and tell me how much he got for the horse. Is, he, is
1: he doing it like in Lexington in Kentucky, Tipton? Yeah, yeah,
0: oh, yeah, so you know, like a 25 ish minute drive from where you live, something like that. Um,
1: by the way, have you done the, the Versailles
0: like hole in the wall Mexican thing yet? I haven't. Okay, that's a wait. Hold on. I may have. Well, no,
1: I haven't. Okay. Yeah.
0: We'll have to do. You know what? Before the end of the show, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna do a little, Versailles hole in the wall Mexican talk, because that's a conversation worth having. That is on that, on the road between, uh, between 64 and Keeneland,
1: essentially. So there's a good one in. Um. Oh goodness, I'm blanking on the name, but it's on the drive to Moorhead. Oh, okay. I forget what the name of the city. It's. Oh, it's in uh, Mount Sterling. Hmm. Just off the highway, uh, I guess when you're heading like whenever I go cover games at Morehead or Morehead State, nice. real good Mexican place, nice. best salsa verde I've found hmm. in Kentucky. And I'm from Texas, you're originally. from Texas, that's so, right. So like, yeah, I yeah. got a real high bar for, for Tex <laughs> Mex and Mexican food. Yeah, like, man, you got to pass my smell test to earn my respect. Yeah, really, yeah. that place in Mount Sterling. It's goes. like two,
0: three spots that are just absolute bangers in for sales because of all the horsemen. So yeah, it's great. All right, so you're you went to IU, sure did. Hoosiers beat the Boilermakers, um, and Purdue, I think, is still the number one team in the
1: country, even with the loss. Um, With the best player in the country?
0: With the hardest-to-guard player in the country. Okay. Dan and I are of the opinion if he weren't 7'3", it would be a different. Like, he wouldn't be a good basketball player if he was 6'7". Right,
1: yeah, that's fair. Okay. (laughs) I'll I'll give you the fact that being massive helps him in his role.
0: You know, Dan, you know, now that LeBron's going to pass Kareem and Dan played against Kareem, I asked him, you know, and one of the best things about Dan and doing the show with him and talking basketball is he'll say things like, you know Steph's, Steph Curry is the best shooter I've ever seen, and that's a guy not from his era. He played against Pete Maravich. You know, like he he is willing to say, the guy now is better than the guys I played with, which I appreciate. But he thinks Kareem is a better all time player than LeBron because he and and the only reason I bring this up is he said if Kareem were six four he would have been a great still been a great basketball player like he would have figured it out. If LeBron were six three he would not be a great basketball player. It's kind of an interesting take, but anyways, um, so Zach Eady and his uh, lanky ass uh, go into Bloomington and lose. Where, if we agree that Purdue is the best team in the country, what is the ceiling for IU? Then,
1: I think ceiling's elite eight. Okay, I, th- I think you got to go a little bit further than Sweet sixteen because the thing that's plagued IU for a lot of this season has just been the consistency. Right, like on their night, they're good enough to beat a Purdue way back in the early part of the season. They had one of the best road wins in the country when they won at Xavier and handled Xavier pretty comfortably for most of that game. That being said, you still have the moments, especially due to injuries, where they lost at Penn State wasn't close. Even what earlier last week they lose at Maryland. I mean they're still down Xavier Johnson, but they just get super cold from three point range, have an off night, lose in a tough environment. So you you don't have that consistent you know game in game out performances like we've seen so much from Purdue in terms of going in the Big Ten and winning games right. pretty handily. But you know if you're you know they, they had a huge lead in the first half there on Saturday against Purdue. Yes, if they're firing on all cylinders, if Trace Jackson Davis is able to be as effective as he is across the board, not just scoring, rebounding, blocking shots. You know, being able to log, he had 39 minutes on Saturday, being able to log heavy minutes and be just the focal point for that team. I think elite eight.
0: I can't think of another player that I've ever watched play basketball where he looks unathletic and then when he blocks shots, he looks the most athletic.
1: I can say, well, so the sweet spot for that is when me and Jack were in college in Indiana from, from 16 to 20. Jawan Morgan was my dude. Oh, okay. Jawan yeah. Morgan wearing that T-shirt, Juwan. looking just like a little husky, <laughs> and just doing the most. He had such good court vision, such good passion. I mean, he w- he wasn't blocking shots at the rate you know, Davis Juwan is Morgan. or being huge. But <laughs> Jawan Morgan is my all-time like guy I-, I couldn't think hoop and then watch him just absolutely dominate. Jawan Morgan.
0: Oh, man. All right. We're done talking Indiana. Jawan Morgan <laughs> came up. We're done. Is Martha the Mop Lady the worst tradition in the history of college athletics? Top three?
1: You know, I'm just happy I wasn't there when they did it live. Because <laughs> they did it live, I guess, for their Ohio State game yeah. last weekend or two weekends ago, whatever it was, and that would have been a little bit creepy. That's a little too close to AI technology for my <laughs> liking. Not a fan.
0: I'll go a step further. I think Indiana can make the Final Four.
1: Really? This year, yes. Just because – is that is that as much a reflection of Indiana or a reflection of just kind of the general parity at the top of the 70% Indiana. All right. I think is that good. He is really good. When he's,
0: when he's going and the guy's – are in the flow of the offense, like how they played against Purdue, how they played against Michigan State, if they can do that again over and over, I mean they I they can win four games. No question. To me no question. And because two of those games are against be against teams that are not as good as them.
1: I'll be curious to see how they do in the Big Ten tournament this year, especially because, you know, kind of like Kentucky in the SEC tournament, you know, IU's recent history in the Big Ten tournament. I guess really history in most all Big Ten tournaments has been awful. Correct. But last year's run, they went on to get to, I guess it was the semifinal against Iowa. And the fact that they had to win, you know, the two games that they won essentially to make the tournament. They got a little dose of that, you know, win or go home experience even before March came around. A lot of guys from that team are still on this year's team, TJD being the, the obvious one. What they're getting from Shafino. Do you know what's weird? No,
0: that's UK this year. They have to do what IU
1: did last year. I don't think UK will have to get the sizable like amount of wins. I think UK will probably have to. Win but to one feel game comfortable,
0: yes, to be, feel comfortable on on Selection Sunday, they have to win in the SEC tournament.
1: Because don't forget, at last year's tournament, I think IU was down like twenty to Michigan or something, yeah. like a decent Michigan team, and then had to barnstorm their way back, right. and that was like the win that got them in. Yeah, but. I don't know if Kentucky's in that position. I wouldn't be holding my breath either for like a massive twenty point comeback. I don't think we, that's the one thing Kentucky hasn't done this year. I guess is like go go down by a massive number of points and then storm back
0: and make the comeback. Right? Yeah, they've gone down. <laughs> yeah, oh, they've
1: done plenty of that. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: oh man,
0: yeah. I mean, we'll get to the U of L game because they they did that exactly that actually on Saturday, and it, it is Cam. I have to talk about that team like four days a week. How do you cope? I mean, it's it is. I mean. And then people, I mean, Dan sits across from me. And Avery's here. Dan sits across from me and tells me how great Kenny Payne is. Oh, you can't. Oh, It's brutal. It's just brutal. I mean, it's unbelievable. And so I, I, don't, I don't know.
1: It's a lot, Avery. It's a lot. What are they know It is. 3 it, and 20?
3: Yeah, 3 and whatever.
1: They're going to have to update that shirt that that guy had, right? The shirt that was like Kenny Payne won those games and it just said um, Western Kentucky, Florida <laughs> and m they got to add Georgia Tech to that now at maybe Josh Pastner's face on the back of it yeah. or something. They got a
0: sweet it would I, the only thing I'm rooting for with them is that they sweep Josh Pastner this season with this team. That would be great. <laughs> think, and by great I mean hilarious. Uh but yeah, we'll get into that on the other side. We'll talk uh we'll talk that Florida State game. Cam was at uh the Georgia Tech game that in in um that he mentioned, and so we'll get his uh, his take on that. Had you been to the Yum Center before that?
1: Oh, plenty of times. Okay. Yeah, in college, I'd come down back when Louisville was good at basketball. I'd come. To, I, I went to like two or three uh, Louisville North Carolina games while in oh, school, yeah. and those were great because you know, juiced up atmosphere, usually a whiteout, and the amount of money that I paid for tickets to sit in the lower bowl at the Yum Center for the Georgia Tech game on Wednesday, I would pay to be in the nosebleeds. Oh, for sure, Louisville, you know, UNC oh, yeah. games in eighteen nineteen. I was actually at the last. Game that Louisville at was played while number one in the country that lost to A&M, or sorry, not a and uh, Texas Tech at Madison oh, Square yeah, Garden, because yeah. I was covering the iu UConn game that right. followed as part of the Jimmy V Classic. Th-
0: th- th- that is the problem here. It's one of the problems, is that people very recently remember how rockin' stuff was.
1: Oh, I remember, yeah, How the, fun yeah.
0: stuff was. And now there's like 3,800 people there. I was like, Oof. I mean, I... I it's not good, Cameron. There was something interesting about good. listening to, or
1: watching Joker and the Thief happen and just wondering <laughs> if the amount it cost for the light show outweighed the gate receipts from last Wednesday night. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: It's uh they're getting to that point. It's getting close. And that's that's certainly not good. All right, Cam Drummond, Louis Rabot with you here on Isle and Louis here on ESPN six eighty one oh five seven. Scotty D tonight over on ninety three nine. If you want to listen to him, Bellamy gate another win. Um he has he has figured it out, Avery. I criticized him on this error about a month and a half ago, and since then he's been very good, so I will take credit for it. Uh, but on the other side, we'll talk about that ULL game against Florida State. I want to get Cam's take on it because he's outside of this market, and I'm always interested in people's views of him outside of this market. We're in the bubble here, so I'd like to get people from outside to comment on them. All right, this is Isla and Louie here on ESPN 680, 105.7. This segment with Dan Issel and Louis Rebeau is presented by KentuckyTourism.com. That's right. If you are planning a trip in the Bluegrass State, we always encourage you to start at Kentucky Tourism and KentuckyTourism.com. Maybe during these colder months you want to do something indoors. Check out all the concerts, the museums, and all the indoor happenings at KentuckyTourism.com, uh, different parts of the state. Uh, never know when they're going to cancel flights, so just get in your car and check out all that happening in the BluegrassKentuckyTourism.com. Reminder, to Louisville at Pitt tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. So that means 5.30 pregame, 7 o'clock, play by play, and around 9.30, you'll get that Coors Light postgame show. All that across the hall on 93.9, uh, the, your official home for the cards. We'll get to the cards in a second. I'm going to make Cam uncomfortable. You ready? You ready?
3: Hey, Always. You ready? Okay. I like making people uncomfortable.
0: So how old are you? 25. Okay. So Cam's in a weird spot. Because he's in a town full of girls and women
1: that are 18 to 22. And it's a weird spot, right? Lexington is a major American city. There's, <laughs> there's more than just a university there. More than just two universities major there. Major
0: American city. <laughs> it's
1: the second largest city in Kentucky. But do you have these moments where you're like at a restaurant
0: or whatever, and you notice someone, and you have to like try to age verify? I mean, I'm not going to say no. Okay. No, I think it's realistic. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's realistic. This town... You know, there's a million people. There's like nine hundred thousand people in Jefferson County, whatever, right? And so, like, there's a more, you know, there's a mix, there's a melange of folks, right, Avery? A melange, if you will. Can you say melange?
3: Melange. got
0: girl. So I just the, said that,
3: but I can't speak English.
0: <laughs> it's fair. The um, I just always wondered because like Bloomington is much more like that. Oh, like,
1: I'm Bloomington, you know, traditional small college yes, town, thirty thousand people in the summers, right. whereas Lexington <laughs> is like the size of the suburb I'm from, just outside Dallas. Yeah, yeah right. So it's like massive, but. I mean, like, I do enjoy Lexington just because, like, there is, like, a lot of the strong UK presence, right? And a lot of people there are affiliated with the university, students, faculty, whatever. But there's also a decent amount of people who just have nothing to do with UK who are like me, who are just there for work, you know, or just move there after going to school somewhere else. But, yes, the the answer to to all of this is yes. (laughs) I've been avoiding it long enough. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you like living there, though. No, I love it there. Yeah, yeah, I used to, my first job out of school, actually, not to go into my, my whole buyer or anything, was living in Austin, Texas. Okay. And I worked in uh, community news, and I covered this rural, like, 90,000-person county, 30 minutes to the southeast of Austin, like, horse farms, ranches, small-town government, county commissioner meetings, agriculture, <sighs> just just agriculture, you know, all that stuff. So... <sighs> I didn't, and I didn't like living in Austin for whatever reason, even though it identifies with like everything that I should be about. But I love Lexington more, <laughs> so it's real strange. No, yeah, it's all right. No, it's fine. Do you
0: know uh, this makes me feel a lot better about my path to this, uh, Avery? You know, he had to like go to like city council meetings. I just started a podcast about drinking and gambling. Yeah, that's a better way you, to do it.
3: You jumped right in. Yeah, that's
0: a better way to do it. Yeah, you know? I watch these that's guys. What you so do. no, that's right. Um, the only thing I'll, I'll brag about. So we figured out essentially if you do pregame radio for horse events, they'll they'll. Credential you. So we're done working at, like, noon. <laughs> like, this feature's not till 6. Let's go.
1: <laughs> can't believe you figured out, like, the way to game the system.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, you know, I watch these guys. are like, oh, I got a deadline. I'm like, oh, I'm going to the bar. Like, you know? <laughs> Enjoy your deadline. Oh, man. He is Cam Drummond, by the way. See Drummond97 on Twitter if you want to go find his stuff. He's with the Herald Leader, Kentucky.com slash sports. Check out all their stuff over there. Um, let's do some sound, Avery, and, uh, so Cam and I can react to that. Uh, Go ahead. We will um, go ahead and play the Pratt sound here. (sighs) I have a very unpopular take after we hear this. Um, But this is Cal talking about Pratt and uh, Mike's influence on the game.
2: Mike Pratt, number raised. How many points did they have at halftime? 22, Mike's number. Who made the last points of the game? Number 22. You don't think Mike was up there tipping balls away? Think about that. And, and one of the nicest people, kind heart. We had his kids and his grandkids and his brother and his wife in the locker room after. Um, I'm just, I'm happy for him. Um, he's been an unbelievable supporter of mine. Um, you know, and it, it's easy when things are going good for people to step up and want to be there and be around. And then when you struggle a little bit, they kind of run. Mike wasn't that guy. Mike was the one that would talk through all the stuff. Now, I said this about him. He did call me because he wanted info so he could be (laughs) in the know. Like, hey, you know, and we laughed. Marsha and I laughed about it. But um, I love the guy, and I miss him, and uh, I'm happy uh, that this was done. I told Mitch it's a great move and well-deserved, top 30, only played three years in scoring, rebounding, assist. He only played three years because freshman didn't play when he played.
0: All right, so uh, to react to that sound, we have someone on the phone. I didn't catch the name. Uh, go ahead, uh, ma'am or sir, uh, and talk.
4: Yeah, it's Big 44.
0: Hey, Big 44. What's up, Dan? How are you? <laughs> uh, I, I,
4: I've got to tell you that I can't remember when I had a more fun day I mean, everything was perfect. Uh, I spent some time with Marsha and the family before the game. Saw a bunch of former players I hadn't seen in a long time, uh, and then the ceremony uh, that uh, to uh, put Mike's uh, jersey in the Raptors uh, was just. I mean, it was perfect. It was a it was a perfect evening. And one thing I didn't know uh, until that night was uh Mike's jersey is right next to mine. I I uh, I was thrilled when I saw that. So it was uh, it was a great night, Louie. I'll
0: tell you they put Mike Pratt next to two guys who are not in the top 30 in all three major categories. That's what they did. Hey,
4: hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Now, now um you know, we'll talk about we'll talk about Mike and and Matt uh, more uh next uh, tomorrow yeah. when I'm in studio. But the reason I called in was I wanted to give you the uh, Buckler Farm Monday morning moron and and it happens to be Cameron Drummond for coming in and doing that show with you this morning
0: (laughs) BucklerFarms.com get all of your fresh pork and fresh lamb from them Uh, soon uh, Thursday we're going to strike a deal we'll have Issel's eggs um, available uh, next summer so there you go
3: there
4: you go. There you go. So is Cameron pulling his weight? Oh, he's doing great.
1: Yeah, I've officially yeah. been leveraged as an ad read on ESPN six eighty. <laughs> so I think I'm doing okay. I'm settling into that a my boy. role.
2: Yeah,
4: That'll that boy. Oh, well, you all, uh, I'm getting ready to sell my uh, my horse here in uh, about an hour. So oh, okay. uh, you you all have fun doing the show, and What's I he- will see you. I'll see you in the morning. What's the book value on your horse there? Uh, we don't know. We. Don't- <laughs> this is kind of a nervous time, you know. You you think you know what they're worth, right. but uh, until somebody raises their hand, you, you can't be sure. So I'll report. I'll report back tomorrow.
0: Say hi to Wayne for us. All right, thanks, guys. See, see you, Dan. Dan Isle, can you imagine? So you're, let's say you're Mike Pratt's grandkid, and you hear about his playing days. And you hear about the stuff, and you're there on Saturday. And you look up and it's Pat Riley, Mike Pratt, Dan Issel. It's not bad trio. So oh, please, man, that's unbelievable to think about. I mean, it's, man. And those of us, I mean, Avery, Avery, much more than me because she produced the show, but those of us that got to know Mike and, and, um, what was, what was your nickname? I, I've never asked you.
3: I believe I was the pretty producer, the pretty intern.
0: <laughs> pretty intern. There you go. I like that. So all of us had some kind of moniker around the office. And so, um, Andy Sweeney was Sweeney, man. Um, I was Louie guy. And then I'm trying to think of the other ones that I can think. What do you call Jack? Uh,
2: Crino. Creener. Yeah. Creener
0: or Creno. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty great. Then of course, uh, process yeah, was, was with Bobby because he looked like Bobby Fisher, that kind of stuff. But everybody had a nickname and it was, it's funny. We have people on, so we had uh, Tom Hart on from ESPN on Friday and he talked, he talked like all of us around here. Talk about Mike. Like Mike treated everybody exactly the same. Those are incredible. I mean, the consistency of of those stories, and I know Avery's smiling because you totally agree with me, is that everyone had the same exact experience with Mike with Mike Pratt, and it's, I, there is no chance when I die that happens. Like, <laughs> there's just no
4: chance. Yeah, my,
3: yeah. Mike was great. I, I didn't know him long. Like I only right. met him in November, but like he he, he it was very quickly yes. grew on me. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I like the fact that you put yourself down with that, and Avery did not come to your rescue at all. No. Just oh. continued talking no, about how great Mike was.
3: She's like, "I yeah. will crush anyone here. I have given literally every single person in this station like the the dirty look, all because I have like. I mean, mug everyone here. That's just that's just who I am.
0: All right. So this is so the cow sound. Do you believe in this angels in the outfield thing? No. Okay, I don't either. I know it's a, it's a terrible thing to say. Like, it's right a good, it's a
1: good narrative and a good story, and I Correct. think more of that just reflects on me being like too rational a person. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not super religious or anything. Sure. so I, like I'm pretty straight and narrow. Like I, I'm
0: a very religious person, and even me. Even me, I'm like yeah, no.
1: Yeah, like, like, I think I'm, I'm too. Like I care more about like I, I focus on facts and numbers and sure. figures and yeah. stuff, and maybe that's from the line of work or whatever. Yeah, but right. like. Come on now, like yeah. I don't think that's real. It's a good yeah. narrative though, and a good story. And yeah. like if I was writing the Ben it, Roberts story, I probably would have included it. It was
0: cool, no, but I will say. So I don't, I don't find sports especially romantic. For example, I enjoy them. I like. I think the storylines are interesting. I think debating the single seed, you know, double digit seed thing is interesting. It is cool though. On that night, the Case Wallace has a good game, right? I mean, to me at least, like the guy wearing the number that's getting retired, or being hung in the rafters again, I should say, is.
1: I, I think that's cool. And scores the final points, I think. Yes. And, yeah.
0: It's not that it's not cool. I'm just the like Mike Pratt's in the rafters, like batting the ball around thing. Talk out. I mean like what are we
1: doing? Might be a bridge too far. <laughs> that being said, I mean electric like I mean like the way the way I bet. the way that Dan was describing it as well, you know, the way that the evening was, the the weekend was on Friday night they had like a reception as well with the team and and some of Mike's family and, you know, I guess some invited guests or whatever, too. So, like, really couldn't have gone. I'm glad. It sounds like he had a a wonderful time. This is the last time I'll say it.
0: But Mike Pratt's number is in the rafters because of Dan Issel. And Dan did the right thing because it should have been up there. But Dan deserves a, a ton of credit. He will never say it out loud. But Dan is the reason it's up there. I understand the relationship with Cal. But you have to remember this season, the relationship with Cal and the guy who gets to decide when the numbers go up isn't great so that was a Dan Essel move and and I, he's to be commended for that because Pratt's never should have been out there a long time ago so all right um any others you know what let's do um let's go ahead and play cal five on staying the course um, again uh, Cam Drummond and with us from the Herald leader I and we've mentioned this on the show a lot. We've gone from the big picture you know what kind of final four team are they to hey. Let's make the tournament kind of a discussion about this team. Um, And this is Cal and the course.
2: Well, like I said, it's um, um, this team is coming together. And, you know, I I told them they would break through, just stay the course. And they're breaking through. Now we got other tough games. I mean, um, I thought we played Wednesday. I'd asked, who are we playing? They said, Arkansas. I said, Wednesday? I said, no, Tuesday. They don't stop coming. I mean, they're one after another. So, you know, we got another tough game Tuesday. We got to play better in certain areas, but we guarded pretty good today. And then they, at the end of the game, they made some baskets and all that, threes and fought to get back in it. But, I, you know, I told Todd prior to the game, I said, Coach, I'm watching the tape. You're doing a heck of a job with your team. That's one of the top defensive teams in the country. They're in the top ten in, like, every category defensively. I just wanted us to play faster, and that's why you put Severe in the game. You'll play faster. We got to play that way, even though we can play in the half court. We only had nine turnovers, but Kaysen had three and Oscar had three. So that's six. The rest of the team didn't turn it over. Nine turnovers in a game like that, pretty good.
0: Do you think I could play sound from after a game and just bleep out the team names and you could have no idea what game Tit Cal's talking about?
1: Yeah, I, it's, it was after the Ole Miss game for me when he started praising the job that Kermit Davis was doing. That was when I kind of The Kermit Davis head pad is is it's, it's peak count, They're right sure. there. They just need got to break through. Once they break one, just wait. They're going to get on a roll. Oh, man. It's so stupid. I love it.
0: Oh, it's great. All right, so uh, sitting here today, uh, left on the schedule. You mentioned that Arkansas game, obviously. Two Georgia, two Mississippi State. <clears throat> that Mississippi State game, those... Mikel loses those games sometimes, right? I mean, it was a couple of years ago that he got the tech and got thrown out, and Damian... Uh, um, I'm saying Damian. It's not Damian. Um, who hit all the threes? The kid that transferred to Western Kentucky. Um, oh, I'm doing it to you, too.
1: Yeah, I should know this. <laughs> I just completely froze up there.
0: Text Little will crush us. Um, the, uh <laughs> Um, you know, so that was. I mean, that's a place that they haven't always had success. There's no guarantee of winning against Tennessee. You got to go to Florida, who just played you really tough, and apparently that the big man can you know do a ballet dance before he puts the ball up and not get called for a travel. I was following along with some of the tweets that man, y'all and other God, folks. I, someone talked about him so tweeting
1: good. the Hamburg. Someone <laughs> talked about him going to Europe. Was it you? No, uh, it might have been Streibl. Someone talked. I about try him not going to. to
0: I try not to tweet during games. The only thing I'll do during a game is like, I'll put up an overreaction poll at half like you know you know kentucky's up five are they gonna win by 30 or by or lose by 30 you know kind of ridiculous things but um but i mean it arkansas so dan and i like to look at um the match predictor on espn.com They're like 65 percent to win that game we sure about that
1: i mean i think so I, okay I, I, I expect them to beat arkansas on tuesday night okay yeah
0: what kind of margin another five six point game
1: yeah, Is that just who UK is? I, yeah, I think that's who UK is. I was, I'm not ever going to go out on a limb aside from that Vanderbilt home game and say that UK is going to win by double digits. And mm-hmm. that's more of a reflection of just how awful Vanderbilt is and <laughs> has been playing. I guess they just won recently, but still, they did. that was all Miss. So,
0: I mean, the good news for Kentucky is they're a game behind Auburn in the standings, and they get Auburn at home. And I, 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 I don't know why I'm kind of into this, but you know, for the purposes of the SEC tournament, I think being a top-four seed is – where they need to be so they don't get a bad game to start off. Because you don't need to play, I don't know, LSU in the in the SEC tournament. That doesn't help
1: you. Another team that played them tough. Right. Another right, And then and
0: the opportunity to lose. That's right. That L-
1: a, the LSU and the Florida games, really, the both on um, a rep arena, had a lot of similar parallels just in terms of Kentucky maybe kind of holding things together for most of the game and executing relatively well down the stretch in terms of making free throws and stuff. But then still, both teams had the ball down three with a chance to tie the game at the very end.
0: All right, I'm looking up this guy. UK transfer
1: to WKU.
0: Dante Allen was his name.
1: You no, know, I thought I was going to say that, and then I just I froze up. Well, I think I said air.
0: Damien, and I screwed it up for everybody. All right. All
1: right, let's talk Louisville. You were there for the
0: Georgia Tech win. I was.
1: Paying customer.
0: How many people do you think were there?
1: Oh, that's a good What's What's the yum bucket capacity? 21. 21. I'm going to go, like, 7 Oh, okay. Seven or eight. I don't know what it was listed on. I oh, it'll up. be like eleven or something. Yeah, I'm sure the numbers are fudged slightly, but I mean, it was a decent crowd. I don't want to say like a good crowd. Okay, so on ESPN they got the attendance at eleven thousand four hundred sixteen. It was not that. I will say that it was not. Greater I think than the lower bowl fourteen. Yeah, and the lower bowl was not full, and obviously the upper bowl had a few stragglers in it. But I mean, when it, when the moments required it to get kind of loud, they need it to was put kind of loud.
0: I don't know if anyone else is willing to say it. They need to put the curtain up on the upper bowl. For men's
1: games I, so i was at the game just with a friend we were going you know casually just to enjoy the game out of for me at least kind of morbid curiosity to see what louisville looked <laughs> and i'd seen louisville play kentucky sure. and i'd watched a lot of their early season games i watched the bellarmin game i watched the lipscomb game but just wanted to see what this was looking like in person and i was really surprised that the curtain wasn't up just from like an optic standpoint and just from a funneling people yeah. to the lower bowl to make it louder and make it look better on tv i know it was broadcast on like Bally sports direction against
0: georgia tech yes. yeah
1: that game was on ESPN two this weekend. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's they had a crew yeah. there. Peyton Siva came on and, and had some good interview stuff in the second half. Yeah, I mean, Joe Williams is there. I mean, it's they, you know they sent people, but I just
0: the interesting thing for me with them. Okay, so did you get to see much of the Florida State game?
1: Yeah, I watched eighty five percent of it. I'll say
0: so. Saturday is kind of a perfect summation of this season. They're capable of hitting a bunch of shots. They usually don't hit a bunch of shots. They're also capable of letting other teams just go on these fantastical runs.
1: I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, I thought the game was over at the under-16 mark of the second half when it was like 15 to 20-ish points and... Louisville looked kind of defeated and the energy wasn't super good. So I'll give him credit for jumping back in the game. And, I mean, I had my hardcore Louisville friend turn the game off and disgust at the under-16, and then as this is slowly happening, I'm texting him like constantly like, <laughs> dude, you're missing it. I can't believe this is happening. And then he finally texted me after the game, oh, they lost. Just completely missed the entire comeback portion.
0: I – the weird thing with them, and I'm getting a text, which makes me think that I'm about um, – oh, no. Everyone who tells me Kenny's doing a good job has an affiliation with the University of Kentucky or is an older person. So I don't know if there's some kind of affinity for the 80s guys with the older people. And then it's the same thing like, oh, yeah, you guys should uh, you guys should keep Cragthorpe. He's a really good football coach. Or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Satterfield, yeah, he's, he needs another year. Does he? Does he? I mean, so we we have, uh, I think you just met him, Mark Blankenbaker. Yeah, Blank. He, the sheriff, right? The sheriff, that's right. He cut an ad after Satterfield took the Cincinnati job, and they were about to play the bowl game for Liquor Barn. We're in the Liquor Barn studios, by the way. And it's Liquor Barn where Kentuckians go to celebrate life. Thank you, Cincinnati. <laughs>
1: that's good. That's good. <laughs>
0: Not beat Cincinnati, not, you know, beat the Bearcats. Thank you, Cincinnati. Thank you. This is like, we'll, we'll get to this
1: later, but this is like the messaging coming out of New York and Brooklyn about Kyrie getting right. traded to my Mavs. Just like, we will definitely you. get to that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Not, not our not, problem really, anymore.
0: Yeah. I, um, but yeah, it's, I, what I, what I, what I struggle with is I'm, I am pretty convinced, pretty convinced. I'm very convinced. Payne's not doing a good job right now.
1: I think that'd be a fair assessment.
0: Um to start didn't get guys in took a long time to put his staff together everything just such a slow build so when they play like they did on Saturday against a guy who I really respect in Leonard Hamilton a lot I think he's a terrific basketball coach and a great program builder and they have the kind of game they do I have to remind myself that Florida State is 8-16 and 16.
1: and they were real bad to start the year Terrible to we're talking start the like season. losing the Stetson at home bad but
0: they've also gotten better at the second half of the season. Now, their last two games have been really bad. Um, well, well, they won the last one. But, you know, before that, it was terrible. Who'd they lose to really badly? I can't remember. Um, like they lost, like, by 30 to someone not great. Uh, oh, NC
1: State. Oof, yeah, 28. Yeah. That was the most recent game before, right. before the Louisville game. Yeah, so they lose
0: um, at NC State, and then they come up here to Louisville, and they get the win. But I, I, So I don't, I don't want to give not give them credit for what you talked about, which is the run, because they could have quit. There, plenty of games season they lost by 20 across the street. And – but at the same time, like – okay. So last year, before the U.K. football game, L beat Duke and Syracuse.
1: Oh, and, I know. I picked Louisville to win that game last year.
0: And, and around here it got labeled the bum bump by our guy James streetle Okay? He'll be on first replay three to six today uh, with Andy Sweezy. And um, – I don't. That's what I worry about with this stretch of the season for Louisville is that they're getting their own bum bump. Can you get against one, can, Georgia Tech and Florida
1: State? Can you get one of those when you go one and one though, <laughs> and still only have three wins on the season? Yeah, because people because people are saying they're playing better. I get text from people. Oh, Louisville's playing better.
0: I'm like, I know you know what I do for a living, but no, that's <laughs> stop it. Stop trying to tell me this. It's not true. I Saturday was perfect because there was the stretch where they were just not good enough. And then they showed what they're capable of, but they don't consistently do it. And I don't know. This is where Dan and I have conversations and we disagree. And, and I just, I don't know what percentage is is coaching, what percentage is culture in the locker room, what percentage is just the makeup of the dudes on the team. They actually, one thing I will say, they've lost a couple of games here that are not good in Boston College and, and, and Notre Dame the way that they lost them. And the Notre Dame game and the Florida State game are very similar in that they were way behind and made similar runs, numbers wise. Frankly, to end those games, they seem to be culturally better without Brandon huntley Hatfield around, which doesn't explain three and seventeen or whatever before he stopped, or two and seventeen before he stopped playing. But there's it's not enough of an addition, addition via subtraction for it to overcome the rest of the issues on this team. What are people saying in Lexington about Kenny Payne and, and the job that he's doing? Because Ben Roberts, of course, because he knew him forever, is like, oh, he'll, he'll get it together. And I'm like, based on what evidence? What, what, what are people
1: saying? Well, it's funny because you mentioned being interested in what, like, outsider-type opinions. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm, I mean, I'm from Texas. I went to Indiana. Before I, like, took this job in Lexington, I really didn't think that much about Kentucky basketball, Louisville basketball, beyond, like, oh, they're a college basketball team. You know, I wasn't, like, born and raised or ingrained in this kind of stuff. Sure. And, like, I, it seems very very difficult to me why this is or like it's hard for me to understand why this has been framed as such a hard rebuilding job or such a slow build and like the same thing the same thing kind of happened in indiana when i was there tom Green left after my freshman year archie miller came in and archie miller lost his first game in indiana state by like 21 points like you know generally speaking a disaster first couple of years generally speaking a disaster and it wasn't as bad as louisville this year because nothing's as bad as louisville this year But I just don't understand why people have framed it as being such a difficult thing to come in and win instantly with when they were bad last year, but not like this colossally bad. And as far as the vibe in Lexington goes, I think it's kind of similar to the way you mentioned it with maybe older folks or Dan or like people who have some kind of connection or affinity for Kenny Payne. The good things that he brought to Kentucky, what they remember him as, you know, the crucial part of, of the coaching staff for so many good teams. So I think that's just like kind of human nature but i think if you ask anyone who wasn't directly involved with those teams or people who don't you know have a strong remembrance of those you know early 2010s teams that they're really good ones I think, you know, you'd probably get some of that tongue-in-cheek, like, yeah, he needs two years, three years, maybe even four years, (laughs) you know? Because, I mean, even all the things that you listed there at the start about why this team has been so bad this year from roster construction, from vibes, from on-court execution, from late-game execution, like, all that kind of funnels to the top. No question. Right? No question. And obviously there's going to be an adjustment period, becoming a college coach for the first time, transitioning from the NBA, different sport, different personnel – um, but still, like the lack of urgency, especially in the transfer portal to enter this season, was a bit jarring to me. And they also haven't done, you know, super well in the recruiting trail oh, either. Right. I mean, they were—I mentioned earlier—they were in Frankfurt on Friday night for that DJ Wagner, uh, Aaron Bradshaw game. But they were there they were to see Trenton Flowers, a, a five-star who's got Louisville in his top five or top six from the other team. They were playing Combine Academy, yep. and Flowers was was at Louisville for that Florida State game on Saturday right. on an unofficial. So, like, I'm curious, like in his head, or you know, in any potential recruit's head how much does being this bad affect your idea? because like obviously as a good player you think you can come in and change the culture and be the yeah, guy to flip it right. around but this team is bad and 3 and 20 is bad
0: dan dan is is a is a black or white guy and so he's convinced recruits care 0% about the encore of this season because they're convinced they're the guy for next season.
1: Right. But at the same time, it's not exactly like L. Ellis is going to come out and be a top tier NBA draft. No, and that's not no disrespect to L. Ellis, right. but it's just who's the only guy consistently busting his ass, and his, his usage team. rate is right. through that's the exactly. roof right. for them this season. Yeah. But like, I don't know. You watch this offense, you watch the way they play. I don't know if you're you know someone who's aspiring to go to the NBA or being a one and done player necessarily. How much this team inspires confidence to you that you fit that mold or that Kenny Payne? could be that guy to take you on that trajectory.
0: The other thing, too, with with Kenny Payne, and then we'll get to break, is until this point, he's had a couple of advantages, which is, number one, he wasn't the head guy. And so there's there's more being able to concentrate on what you do well rather than having to be a manager. This happens in lots of companies, by the way. The top salesman gets moved to VP of sales, and then sales go down. They're like, oh, what a terrible performance by the VP. No, you took out your best salesperson, right? So if, if you move pain from development and recruiting to managing, maybe those things slip. The other part is if Cal's being an A.H., it's Kenny's job to put his arm around you and say, hey, you know, this is what he means. Don't worry about it. Well, he's not going to change his personality. He's not going to become an A.H., right? Does he have an A.H. on staff? Because he needs one, right? You need that balance, right? Where someone's rip, someone needs to rip you up and down when you play sports. I mean, it's just part of playing sports.
1: I thought the, uh, just to I thought in like in particular the addition of Danny Manning was going to add like a little bit more x's and O's acumen to- I don't
0: know about x's and O's. I th- when he got hired, actually, yeah. I was filling in for Bobby V and I said, actually, I thought not for x's and O's but rather just for the day to day running of the program
1: just as someone who had that college experience yes,
0: that's why you bring Manning in. I don't know what his value is right now. That's very hard to evaluate. That's
1: where I was going with it's that. It's very hard to evaluate.
0: I don't know what his value is. And frankly, if you got it, you get a guy with 11 years of head coaching experience and then you bring in Nolan Smith off the bench at Duke, you would think you were getting something. And that actually goes to my next point, which is Kenny Payne was in the Nike machine before. He's not in it anymore. And that's a different – it's a different world. You can't show up, play golf, and then go see a recruit for a game. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll go to your school. It's not like that anymore he's he's gonna have to grind for some dudes and it's just not it's not what he was doing before. So all right, well outside of snarky responses, I know people like uh like paying down in uh in uh in Lexi for what he did when he was there. But all right, on the other end, we'll do the second hour of the show, of course. Islam Louis taking you up until noon here on ESPN six eighty one oh five seven. Uh we'll ask if uh if Cam watched the Pro Bowl, if uh he likes Kyrie going to his Mavericks. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the culture item of the day that I pulled out for uh, for Avery, because um, I think this one's pretty funny.
3: It was so funny.
0: <laughs> also, is Alabama football trying to have the oldest staff ever? We discuss it next here on 681-057. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did